welcome to Movie Go Round, a film discussion podcast that rotates between different themes every week on a five-week schedule. This week's theme is You Did This To Us. Joining me, as always, is my two wonderful co-hosts, Nicole Davis. How are you? I'm doing very well. I found a, a sprightly 80-year-old woman on the train today who I talked to on the way home, and she was fascinating, and I certainly can only... She she is my life goals. Okay, right on. Very good. Was your conversation with her far more fruitful and beneficial for you than this movie? Any conversation is okay. more fruitful and beneficial than this movie. Okay. Uh, well, uh, and joining us as well, David Luzader. How are you doing, my friend? Brett, I want to tell you something. I want to tell you that the mystery flavor of Oreos that you can purchase on supermarket shelves right now is Trix cereal. Is that real? Yep. I tried it, couldn't place it. I looked it up. People were saying Trix, and immediately like, something just clicked in my brain. <laughs> I think I need to try that, but it's also at, at, at this time it's, of year when we're recording this, Halloween Oreos are a thing, and they're hard so, to So, just regular Oreos with orange food coloring? Hey, hey, shots fired. I am in the camp that the Halloween and, and holiday-themed Oreos are superior. I don't well, know why. At, at Christmas time, they put peppermint in it at least. Do they really? I mean, they. I mean, there's peppermint Oreos. I don't know. I don't know. My oh, theory I, is that they're fresher. My theory is that all the other Oreos <laughs> are made throughout the year, if not years, plural, and then those particular Oreos are made like for that season. I see what you're saying, huh? Maybe it's kind of like Reese's peanut butter cups too, because like they have like the different shaped ones for the different holidays. This is this is this is a this, really good uh, conversation yeah. to start off movie go around. Well, as always, uh, every single week we have a different oh, theme, mind. and that theme is essentially uh, rotated. And that's what's exciting about the show is that we're always watching new and different films. And this week, as I said at the top of the program, is you did this to us. You did this to us is where the audience actually went out and picked the film for us. So what happened is we had a straw poll on line of sorts you could go and you could vote and you could either pick a film that was already in the voting or you could add a film of your choice and of course uh today i started to have a little bit of sympathy for people who think democracy doesn't work because this is what happens um democracy is dead we watched dunstan checks in that got 30 percent of our vote uh <sighs> eclipsing other probably bad but reasonably better films See, my, my original plan coming into this tonight was like, well, I'm going to say at least it wasn't title of other movie I didn't really want to watch, but that would just encourage them to vote for it next time. So I'm <laughs> not going to say what that film was. It wasn't was Nightcrawler, though, even though that was Dang. also close in the running. <laughs> I know. I was panicking. <laughs> I've seen that. It's not bad. Yeah, I have it's... a life goal not to see it. <laughs> I'd rather watch Dunstan Checks In, and I did. <laughs> well, Dunstan checks in. Let's do a little bit of background on this film for the listeners that almost surely have never heard of it. Uh, Robert Grant, played by Jason Alexander, of course, George Costanza, is the manager of the Elegant Majestic Hotel. With inspectors due for a surprise visit, the Majestic's owner puts extra pressure on Robert to keep the establishment running flawlessly. Robert, hoping to be rewarded with some time off work to relax with his sons, vows to put the utmost care into his duties, a task that's complicated by one guest's unruly, light-fingered orangutan, Dunstan. Now, this synopsis would have you believe this movie is all about Jason Alexander and an orangutan, when in fact it is about the kid from the Santa Claus and an orangutan. That, yes, foiling Jason son. Alexander. Uh, yes, he has two sons, one of which is a much younger one, and it's a kid from the Santa Claus with the same bull cut and the same obnoxious voice. Yeah, it's the and, exact same hair. <laughs> and, then, and then his older brother, Mullet Face. And, Joe, Joey Lawrence Wannabe. Yeah, and and they go through all sorts of shenanigans with this uh, orangutan. <laughs> Why? <Yeah. laughs> Why did you guys do this to us? I feel like this was I, as much as I dislike this. I feel like it was a good first, no. you know, outing of this category. There, like this movie, 
is objectively bad. I'm not going to defend yeah. it, except that I'm going to defend it. Because, like, watching this, I'm like, yeah, this is fine. Like, no. sure, spending money on it was stupid. But I'm like, if I was a little kid, I would think this is hilarious. There's a, really? There's a monkey causing problems in a hotel. I don't know. You know, when I was a kid, even when I was, like, five or six, I knew when I was being condescended to. <laughs> And I knew when a movie didn't respect my intelligence in any way. And this movie would have pissed me off as a, as a kid. The difference between (laughs) us is that I'm not looking to be respected. I'm looking to be pandered to in every section of my life. (laughs) So So this is the, I will eat out of this hand. Well, let's say this, uh, this, this, I would argue goes into a genre of, uh, young kids foil, a clumsy but kind of eerie and spooky maybe spooky is not the right word uh older adult who is up to no good so that could be like mm-hmm. uh, like the home alone series or like the parent trap I, I don't know not maybe not the parent trap you get what i'm saying though there's like there, there is rupert everett who plays the man who owns uh dunston who is a uh, yeah. an international uh, diamond thief, jewel thief jewel thief and he is using dunston to climb up windows and climb into people's hotel rooms and steal their jewelry now this this movie came about in a time where like in kids movies you're not gonna have anybody trying to kill anyone you know that's they're trying to keep it for kids so it's like well what's a what's a crime that kids will understand is bad robbing so yeah, like you're kind of speaking to the whole like Home Alone thing. Like they're burglars, and this Rupert Everett is a a jewel thief with like a monkey, which like guys they got Rupert Everett in this movie. <laughs> yeah. This uh, like I was looking at the cast and I was like, that's actually not a bad cast. Well, uh, well, to, to just for so people know, the era did come out in uh, 1996. You can remember, you can remember what part of that decade it came out in, because six, and then also six percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which is what this is currently <laughs> ranked at, unsurprisingly. Uh, but yeah, Rupert yeah. Everett's in this. I joked in our chat earlier that he was also in Hearts of Fire in 1987, and that is a that is a pile of steaming hot garbage that eclipses this in every possible way. But uh, I didn't even I- recognize him at first because i'm used to looking at younger rupert everett with like the, yeah with like the mullet yeah they and... did a they did a good job at, at de-handsoming him for this that movie weird mustache he's got going on and the fake teeth oh yeah the fake te- man those fake teeth were something else <laughs> but i mean this movie also has jason alexander as we mentioned uh faye dunaway's in this film paul yeah. rubens glenn shaddix who i'm a glenn shaddix fan uh and uh, yeah, it was just surprisingly looking at that cast. This is the movie started. I was like, I, I know more people in this movie than I thought I would. Yeah. And, uh, and there's also a, uh, a twist at the end of the film. And I just want to throw it out there. Is there. There's totally a twist is it's that, um, what's, what's his name? The guy who owns oh, Neil Chattuck. the dog yeah. all along oh. was the, actually the person who was there to inspect the hotel. And I called it. I knew it. They're like, they're spending too much time ruining this guy's day. He has to be the one that's inspecting them. Um, so that's my claim to fame for Dunstan checks in is that I wasn't completely immune to its poor script writing. It reminds (laughs) me of, uh, oceans 13 in which they're trying to ruin the hotel of Al Pacino, and so they set someone up as the guy who like rates the hotels, but like the guy who like really rates the hotels, they make sure he has like a terrible time. And let's let's while we're talking about Glenn Shaddix, how about the uh, the dog suicide scene? <laughs> oh my god, can we talk about the dog suicide yeah, scene? Because that dog just straight up tried to kill itself. <laughs> no, but remember the kid says he didn't try to kill himself. What did he see? He saw something that he went for. He was trying to kill the orangutan. He was going oh, over right. the side after him, after Dunstan. But I was watching this and I'm like, oh my God, did that dog just kill itself in this children's movie? Totally. Like, that's what I thought too. And I thought they were going, like, it landed in, in trash, you know, a hundred stories below and it was perfectly fine. But I thought when it jumped off, I'm like, there's a dog suicide in this movie. What am I watching? But what? they joke about it later with the actual words, dog suicide. What weird uh, child snuff film am I watching? 
Yeah. And then later, the little kid and Dunstan fall down a very long laundry chute to yes. what could easily be their deaths should yeah. they land incorrectly. The, the brother also gets brother dropped. falls first. The older this one. This movie is full of hazards. Like, <laughs> people should be dying left and right in this movie. That's true. Yeah. And that makes us, that must make us wonder, who is this movie's audience? This is a question from Nicole in our docket. Uh, it seems a little yeah. vulgar and suggestive for little kids, but I can't imagine older kids finding this entertaining. Again, that was from Nicole. Yeah. I w- yeah. I wish we should have gotten Matthew Sargent on this episode because he, uh, I know he's he traveling. He was right the now, harbinger so. of doom. He started this on Facebook. He was telling people <laughs> to vote for it, and he brought this upon us. He brought but this he, plague upon our household. He also was like super, like if we ever mentioned anything bad about it on Facebook, he would counter with like, hey, I really like that movie. And he was like, I was nine <laughs> when it came out, and like I loved it at that age. I'm sure if he was here right now, he would be singing the praises of this movie. <laughs> well, on uh, and first of all, shout out to Matthew Sargent, our good friend and fantastic yes. artist. So check out his artistry. He's super impressive. But also, yeah. screw you, Matthew. No, I was kidding. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's, like, it's like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies, which I will find a way to get on this podcast at some point. They are bad movies are we talking the ones with megan fox no these are the ones from like the 80s 90s uh starring nobody you would recognize and like secret of the ooze is a terrible movie but i watched that so much as a little kid that i think it is a masterpiece of modern (laughs) cinema I know objectively it's bad but you can't ruin those good vibes i had i think that's where dunstan checks in falls for the kids who like must have had this on VHS in 1996. Well, according to Matthew in Facebook comments when we posted this, he said, uh, as a Dunstan checks in voter, I'll tell you, I'm under no illusions that it's either iconic yep. or good. My goal in life is simply to get people to watch movies about apes and hotels. <laughs> so, succeeds. Uh, and he I succeeded. I, I at least heard that there were, there were interesting things to be learned about the movie with Rene Russo and the gorilla. And isn't that in a hotel? It's oh, like a period piece. And... Wait. Rene Russo. I think I've seen this movie. The gorilla. We should have watched yeah. Mighty Joe Young, first of all. That's the well, thing. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Buddy, 1997 film. Yeah, that's it. I think that I have seen this movie. I don't think it was very good either, but I was like... <laughs> 10 years old so what do i know yeah all i I know is my my notes go something like this um opening of the movie this happy upbeat trill of flutes and horns makes me want to shoot something (laughs) montage of close-up shots of the majestic hotel being prepared for the morning oh look mischievous children as the cause of adults doing lame slapstick my favorite what what was with our obsession of monkeys in the 90s in film? I don't. Because there's no. also the movie Ed, starring Matthew yep. LeBlanc and a monkey. Yep. Uh, also 1990. By the way, apes, they are not monkeys. They are apes. Right, oh. right. Uh, Until I mean, this an was, ape this can write this podcast. It would not be a proper episode of our podcast if I did not get didactic and picky about something. Well, this was this was the era of Ace Ventura. Uh, maybe this just arose out of the cultural phenomenon of putting Talking poor animals butt. in films. <laughs> Are we going to do Ace Ventura at some point? Is that a thing? I would rather watch Ace Ventura than yeah, Ace Ventura is a great movie. Which I don't I, enjoy, but still, you don't enjoy Ace Ventura. I don't. But Look, you know, it's, I don't I, blame people who do like it. I want to remind everybody that that film, pretty early on, has Jim Carrey receiving a very violent blowjob. <laughs> I do not remember that. Part. He rescues someone's animal, and then to thank him, she like sinks down below camera level, and obviously something's happening. And Jim Carrey's like flailing around and like has to like grab like the doorway to hold himself in place for this. It's a thing that's going on in that movie. Oh, that's beautiful. What was it? A PG film? I just got to know. 
Uh, at that time, it might have. I think it was PG thirteen. Or was PG thirteen a thing by then? Yes, by the by the mid to late eighties, PG thirteen was. It is PG thirteen. Nineteen ninety four. Well, in any case, I think that <sighs> maybe that. I mean, also, like, when was when was Free Willy? Free Willy. That, uh, basically, that I'm just thinking of movies of my childhood. Ninety three. Nineteen ninety three. So there, there, so more so, there was an affinity. I mean, we get stuff like that nowadays still, but in the, I remember in the '90s and also in the early 2000s when I was growing up, uh, there was so many of these films of like young child connects and bonds with an exotic animal it should not be connecting and bonding with, and it's really dangerous. And then there's this really wonderful, heartwarming story around it. And there's always people that want to hurt the animal. And there's always people that want to shoot it with a tranquilizer dart like this. First of all, why is the tranquilizing dart going to kill it? Does that defeat the point of it in this movie? To add drama when Pee Wee Herman's going to shoot him? Yeah, it's just to add drama to the film, I think. Sure, To add up the stakes, of which there is virtually none in this film. I do appreciate that Animal Control shows up with a golf bag of guns. Was he? He he wasn't like animal control. He was like hired animal assassin. No, he wasn't. He wasn't like the city animal control. He was his own Buck Lafarge. Shows up in like an armored car. (laughs) Um, was such a his character was so bizarre. That that scene in like the party and like he's like underneath the tables and walking around on his knees. I don't know. Not bizarre enough, quite for me. (laughs) It could have used a little bit more bizarre just so it would be just that would transform this movie into. Oh, my God. What is this weirdness going on over here? This is at least interesting to watch now, you know, as opposed to the, you know, the the inappropriate older brother who's telling his his younger brother that if he dies in the laundry chute to get the box of magazines out from under his bed and get rid of them. (laughs) <laughs> so this was this was post Paul Rubens getting busted for whacking it in a porn theater. I believe so, yeah. Yeah, I think that happened sometime in the early 90s, but it was still it was still in that era where like we didn't respect him again yet. No. <laughs> so yeah, it's just a very odd time to be like giving Paul Rubens work. And this is like the height of like Jason Alexander career. He was trying to bust into films with Seinfeld kind of on the oust. Yep. Yep. Wearing, did he ever wearing have any significant head. success outside of Seinfeld? Um, no? I think he's I think he's done stuff. I think he's kind of set up. Uh he was actually a, a really successful, I believe, still a really successful stage actor. Oh, you're yes. right. I'm sorry, you're totally right. He is on the stage a bunch, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's what he likes to do. Because I suppose uh-huh. if you were if you were to look at the four of them, I mean, there obviously there's an argument to be made for for Jerry Seinfeld, but I would think that um, that uh, I'm, I'm totally blanking on her name right now. It's been a really long day. Uh, what is it, Julie, Julie Louise Dreyfus? Yes, Julia Louise Dreyfus has probably been the most successful of the four. She's been the most, at least, critical. Prom- I would say prominent. I mean, yeah, she's been obviously she has Veep going for her. Yeah, they just throw uh, endless golden statues of her for that. Yeah, but I'm looking. I'm looking at uh, Jason Alexander's uh, Wikipedia right now, and he's been very, very active uh, on Broadway for the last couple decades. So that's where oh, he's getting his stuff. Yeah, I mean, he's set for life with the Seinfeld money. Oh, they all oh, are. Yeah. yeah, none of them really have to worry too much. All right, now he's he's fine. In this movie, I actually liked him. In I this think, movie, I, I think Fine. he brings the only comic relief for me in this movie because I don't find the kids' shenanigans terribly funny. It's just right. not which, my which age group. Part of, which part is funny that he does? Which part is funny to me? Uh, yes, fight for, scene at the end. The what scene? The fight scene at the end. Yeah. With Rupert Everett. Uh, Who's he fighting? He's fighting Rupert Everett. Oh right, right, right! In the kitchen. I, okay. I know this movie's stupid, but I will say when he's when Rupert Everett's about to hit him with that bottle of wine, he's like, "Oh no, wait! It's you know whatever year." Oh, and the they, Chateau Lafitte. Yeah, yes. they both stop for a moment and admire this bottle of wine. Like that is the only time that I legitimately was like, "That's good. That's funny." Yeah, 
Okay, I will. I will admit, I found that amusing, especially as a wine lover myself. I'm like, oh, oh my god, put that, put that to the side. <laughs> that, Be careful that with that. Don't break that. <laughs> I think, I think I found, uh, I found some of his banter with his kids amusing. Uh, I like when he's talking about the suicide dog. Uh, I, I think his interactions with his boss are amusing, mostly because I'm just viewing it through the lens of George Costanza, and I think that's part of the problem is that I'm just imagining him as a bumbling idiot, even though that's not what he's supposed to be in this film. Um, no, he's supposed to be like utterly in control and assured, and he keeps the hotel running like a well-oiled machine. Yeah, it's, he's kind of like the opposite of George Costanza in that way. I, I know, and he, maybe that's why I find it comedic at, at times because I'm expecting him to be George Costanza. No, I think that he for this movie, and just like in general, I think Jason Alexander is actually a good actor in all the stuff I've seen him in. I think he actually does fine in this movie. He is, he was not, you know, he was not trying to ham it up or he was just playing the character very straight and I think he was doing a good job. But what about Rupert Everett? (laughs) Rupert Everett was trying to cheese it up and did a great job. Yeah, he was, I think he was doing what what the director wanted of him you know he was trying to be villainous and he managed to be villainous without being frightening which is kind of a tightrope you have to walk in a kid's movie armed with some of the stupidest like lines though in film right oh yeah like 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 when he when he checks into the hotel with the big giant uh like trunk that's clearly has an animal in it and santa claus kid is poking it and and he's like, You're, I hear something inside your trunk. And he says, you might have heard one of my very many coats. People tend a, to hear them. They're quite loud or something like that. Like I have a, uh, uh, yeah. a way of making little kids disappear. Nosy little kids disappear. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyone uh, else just assuming that the director of this film was a gorilla in a baseball cap? Because I am. Well, one thing <laughs> I want to do here is I want to throw out a movie-go-round shout-out to my new favorite movie critic of the 90s, uh, a Mr. Mm-hmm. Michael Wilmington of the Chicago Tribune. And I just want to read a little bit of his review that he published in the paper of Dunstan Checks In, which means, I guess, at least it was in a paper. Uh, Dunstan Checks In is a mind-boggling fiasco set in a Manhattan luxury hotel, centers on the adventures of a fugitive ape, his jewel thief master, and two plucky lads who've entered the Who Will Replace Macaulay Culkin sweepstakes. Why was this movie made? It's a mystery as puzzling as the Bermuda Triangle or the Missing Link Theory. Uh, He then goes on to say... Oh boy, the production is plush, but the script for Dunstan would would be impressive only if Sam the Orangutan had actually written it. (laughs) <laughs> uh, in a new wave of kitty animal movies, Babe, Black Beauty, Gordy, Babe. Fluke, and all the rest, yeah. Dunstan checks in is valuable only as a new standard of screenwriting ineptitude. Uh, and he goes on for about three pages on this, oh, this movie. <laughs> this movie does not have a script. Let's be very clear on that. <laughs> this movie... It was like an had, outline. Yeah, it had an outline. It had a formula. Like, it was generated by a program that was like kids' movie machine. They pressed a button, and what should happen came out, and they figured right. it out from there. Yeah, family with no mother, oh, no. Uh, exotic animal, so one little you. kid, one older kid. The kids were like, oh, we're grounded. This sucks. And, like, cuts to, like, them and, like, the nicest living situation that I could have thought of as a kid in 1996. Uh, another another quote here I should point out from Mr. Wilmington uh, is, uh, the mass public never gets a chance to read the movie press books, but I feel duty-bound to report that the press kit for Dunstan Checks In quotes the director and animal trainer comparing the movie star, Sam the Orangutan, to Charlie Chapton and, Bustin Keaton, and Buster Keaton. And though you may think it's ridiculous to liken the talents of a performing monkey, the two of the cinema's greatest comedians and writer-directors, uh, it's possible that working on Dunstan's, Dunstan Checks In has seriously warped everyone's judgment. <laughs> So, <laughs> all right. I love it. All right. There's, there's, there's a moment in this movie Ooh. that should never, ever, ever, ever have been on screen, and that is where the little boy. It's late at night. The little boy is sleepy. Wanders in the bathroom to pee. <laughs> he is peeing. 
while the orangutan reaches into the bathroom and grabs the doll that the did boy I, is holding in his other hand, the Spider-Man. Spider-Man to like purposely block it. And they're having a tug of war with the Spider-Man doll while the boy is peeing <laughs> in the Spider-Man. bathroom. And this is, I found that, I found it, I can't articulate exactly why, but I found it highly disturbing. <laughs> it's an uncomfortable shot. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like, now I'm just trying to think of, like, comedy from the 90s with children peeing, and the only thing that comes to mind what? is Big what? Daddy. What? What? Big Daddy <laughs> was also in the 2000s. I just want to point that out. Okay. Yeah, just don't run any internet searches on that, because <laughs> yeah. they, they put you on a list. Right, Let's I don't see. Get on that list. Kids peeing movie. Why can't I find this? There's a Would this movie have been better with Adam Sandler? I'm going to throw that out there. As long no. as we're have been nope. <laughs> playing what doesn't matter as like the monkey as the ape, then I yes. Feel like, I feel like the, the the increasingly frustrated dad, where he has to do that really obnoxious oh. yell. That's a mixture of like uh, no. anger and desperation. Nineteen, uh, the Adam Sandler no. yell. No, no, 1990s Adam Sandler. 1996, uh, he had just left Saturday Night Live. And he was doing Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore. Which yeah, totally was, has the yell. Um, th- I mean, they, they all do. That's what he does. Yeah. yeah, but he'd have been too young to have a, you know, 13, 14-year-old kid. Yeah, yeah, he could not have played the dad. Well, you know what? Shout out to Adam, because I heard his new movie is apparently sufferable. I think I might even watch it. Um, which, uh, which movie is it? He has a drama on Netflix with Dustin Hoffman and Ben Stiller. Uh-huh. And it's supposedly a re- it's supposedly like his best film since like uh punch drunk love since punch since punch drunk love or rain over me if you actually like that movie but uh i you know i i like that movie until you realize it's 18 and a half hours and also <laughs> it just like kind of like shoehorns 9-11 into it as a really sad moment okay anyway anyway <laughs> back to uh, pre-9-11 the- dunstan checks in um <laughs> Uh, what is with that kid's hair? Story. This is another one from Nicole. I touched on it briefly earlier. Neither it's... neither of the kids have um, great hair. <laughs> so the kid, here's here's my theory. The kid at an early age had suffered some sort of head trauma. It's very sad. But it also, like, they were able to fix it. Don't worry. I'm not saying those kids hmm. got brain damage. But uh, the area where, like, it was very experimental. So all over his head was just scar tissue and there was like places where it was still healing. So they formed a helmet that resembled hair and mm. attached it to his head. And that protected him through his formative years. And that's why his hair looks like that in all those movies. <laughs> Nicole. Wait, no, I'm talking about the older brother. Oh, I don't know. That's oh, terrible. Well the, well, the younger brother, I will throw out there that he looks a little bit like if we were to take the Fab Four, it's I like think he's got Ringo going. Cut. Like the like the bowl cut never really suited Ringo that particularly well. Like no. the others could rock it, maybe not Ringo. He's kind of got a Ringo vibe. All right, I'm. I was trying to look, just try to get a picture. Oh man, that front butt haircut. My brother had that haircut. <laughs> uh, front butt. Yes, front that butt. that is the correct. But there is, is a, the correct way to describe a picture for a scene that I want us to explore for a moment, and that is when Dunstan gets in bed with Jason Alexander. Oh uh, yes, and Jason Alexander does that because that, that, that's like a, that classic thing of like where the and this was in a bunch of movies where the animals running amok and it's like people keep encountering it but they don't realize because like their eyes are covered or they're sleeping. But like, how right. would you not immediately be like, yeah, this is a this is not a human. <laughs> <laughs> this is if this is my kid, he's suddenly covered with hair everywhere. Yeah. No, he's yeah. wearing a and flannel. Funny. Yeah, and he yeah. he smells terrible. <laughs> Even more terrible than you know five, however old this kid is. What, like seven? You know, six, seven year olds normally smell. Oh, another great moment of Dunstan playing the bongos on that woman's butt. Uh, just... <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, can this we talk about that classic. scene for a second? The. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is the chaotic end scene in the ballroom. No, no I'm talking about the massage the, scene when he's in the um, where Dunstan's about to start giving some happy endings, and then all of a sudden William shows back up. 
Wait, what? Where? This is when this is when he's in the spa. This is in the spa. When he's in the spa. I think this is when I got up to. Did you do, check like, out? Did, has Dunstan checked in? Normally, check like, normally Nicole is like. So when this happened in the movie, and like Brett and I would be like, "Wait, what?" See, this is here's the thing. The like the peeing scene, uncomfortable. This scene, ten yeah. times more uncomfortable in every way. Yeah, this woman is getting turned on by this monkey. Just, oh, like going to like town yelling oh, like screaming she's like oh yes william and then like the guy comes back oh, in this and is, starts this is the woman who is throughout the movie trying to get anything with a pulse to come back to her room uh. like, my husband's not here <laughs> including including uh rupert everett at the at the end of the film uh. she's uh. trying to get rupert everett throughout the entire movie like as soon as oh yeah you're right she is you're totally right because she's wearing that stupid white hat puck thing. <laughs> it's not good. I have thoughts about the fashion in this movie. They're not good. Yeah. It's like they couldn't decide if they wanted to make a contemporary movie or they wanted to make a movie set in the 30s. Well, it's it's also like, you know, every decade really kind of bleeds into the next one style-wise. Like, the 80s style that we know, you know, really kind of ended mid-90s. Same like the 70s and all that. So I think this was like still in that transition phase. And so you just got some unfortunate carryovers. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Front so butt apparently, hair. Apparently the kid, by the way, is now a musician, but I can't find his music. Um, Eric Lloyd? Yeah. The little kid? Yeah. Okay. And uh, he's 31. So uh, there's that. Oh, good, good for him. Time, time marches on. <laughs> You made it. You made uh, it to 31. Hey, on the bright side, you don't Google him and, and you get like a Macaulay Culkin... Scarecrow. Stuff. Yeah. In yeah, the you rain don't get like heroin busts and stuff. So, I mean, good for him. He he made it out. Um, <laughs> uh, why don't we talk about uh, just like other better hotel movies. This is one from Nicole. Because <laughs> there's a lot of them, right? Yeah, we could see, you know, you could see Grand Hotel, you could see Grand Budapest Hotel. Mm, love me some Grand watch, Budapest. I would venture to say that even Best Exotic Marigold Hotel 2 is better than this movie. The Shining, Hotel Rwanda, all much better than this movie. All uh, much better. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, maybe not that last one. What about Hotel Transylvania? Hotel Transylvania 2? Sure. Uh, Never seen it, but I'm sure it's better. But here's better. the thing. Hotel for Dogs. Is that worse? Oh. Made in Manhattan. I did not hear good things about that. Hotel for Dogs, I remember from my childhood, being pretty awful. So that uh, might be a contender for this lot. And keep in uh, mind, that is another one where they're like, they just kind of shoehorn animals into it because that's what's cute. Yeah. Let's see. According to this guy from three years ago, he made a list of the greatest hotel movies in IMDb because some people don't have lives. Uh, he says, What's up, Doc? The Hotel New Hampshire, Grand Budapest, Psycho, No yeah. Country for Old Men, Arguable. Okay, like, just uh, because there's a scene in a hotel in a does hotel. not mean it's a hotel movie. Yeah, that movie. does not make it a hotel movie. <laughs> uh, By that logic, think... Planes, Trains isn't as a hotel movie. Also, Psycho, it's technically a motel, motel. rather than a hotel. Right. Hotel Transylvania, Hotel Noir, The Shinning, uh, yeah. Yeah, the Pretty Woman, again, uh, Pretty Woman, also Jason Alexander yeah. connection there. I guess that's a hotel. It takes place in a hotel. Mm-hmm. <sighs> This is this is moderately more interesting than this movie for me. Um, this discussion, just, just yeah, just well, talking, so, so, no, so just, let's, let's take just some talking time to about break down other movies with hotels. With hotels in them. Let's break down. <laughs> at what point is it a hotel movie? Is this, is it when hotel is in the name, significant to the plot, or just like the setting? Because you know, Pretty Woman, it's not necessarily significant to the plot. It's just where it happens to take place. So well, we consider that a hotel some of it movie. Takes place. They leave the hotel and walk around the city well, in parts of Pretty Woman, but they they never leave the hotel in this movie. But Grand Budapest Hotel, there are large chunks in the movie. There's a section of this movie takes in that movie that takes place in prison. That's true, <laughs> and in and in the town outside of the hotel. So maybe it's That's like true. the hotel is a. How about this? The hotel is a catalyst for for major plot development. Yeah. Uh, well. Uh, okay. Whether so lost in translation. Hotel, 
Boston translation. Uh, yes. Sure. sure. That's true. It takes a lot of it takes place around Tokyo, but the hotel is very important in their connection. And also, yeah. Anna Ferris is in that movie. Yes. I always forget that. <laughs> Playing like a non comedic role. It's really bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that movie. I write. Right, right up until the really racist bit where they send that woman to his room. And... I don't remember that part. It's been like 10 years since I've seen the movie, though, uh, so I'd have to get a refresher. Uh, yeah, Not on this podcast. Her, at her accent. And... Oh, oh, that's on Thank you so much. Yeah, it's very Are we creating <laughs> fuel for five weeks from now? Are we going to end up watching Hotel for Dogs? I hope not. No. Well, that's my, don't keep talking about it, Brad. Yeah, cool. Don't mention that. <laughs> no, I mean, I I think what I was hoping for from this segment, I mean, I knew, you know, David knew right out of the gate that people were going to try to punish us. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> I was hoping that we would also perhaps get some suggestions of movies that we never would have thought of just because maybe we hadn't heard of them or... It, I, most people don't review it for one reason or another. Not, I would argue, To Justin be fair, Jackson, this isn't both of those categories. Does category. I had never heard of this film before. <laughs> and a lot of people don't talk about it. No, I've heard of this movie. That's, that's not, you know, I was an adult when this film came out, so I remember it. But, yeah, I was, I was hoping that somebody would, you know, bring up something obscure that was a, an undiscovered gem. No, no, no. People are going to look at the list and be like, it'd be really funny if they talked about that movie with the monkey in a hotel. <laughs> I mean, I, I actually do think, uh, I think Nightcrawler that was on the list could have warranted some compelling discussion, especially as oh, I'm, yeah. as I'm, yeah. I'm very conflicted about that movie as, as a, someone who went to journalism school. I'm sure David would have some thoughts on it as well. Uh, yeah. That well, movie is questionable. There's all kinds of psychological things you can get into with that oh. one. Yeah, sure. We could sit here and we could discuss... Uh, like the, the the themes of of how like the music is very uplifting and light in really horrific situations, or how Jake Gyllenhaal uh, very much concentrated on never blinking to give his character this more sort of psychotic edge. But instead, we're talking about a monkey. Sorry. Yeah. All right. Yeah, there. All right. Yes. Same there. Right. There are no. I think the deepest theme in this movie is it's important for parents and kids to spend quality time together i think that's as deep as this movie gets yeah, and, you know, and Jason, listen to your kid when dad. he says there's an orangutan hopping around your hotel yeah i, I mean that, know, he, that actually seen a surprise me was that i fully expected for uh george costanza to not see the orangutan until the last couple scenes, but about halfway through the movie, he's in on this and he knows that this is a problem. Yeah. Oh, and in the middle of this movie aimed at little kids, he stands up and yells, holy shit at the top of his lungs. That was, that was totally a thing back in the day though, of like little kids Uh, movies. You could, you could get away with a little bit more swear words in them. Uh, I will say, I thought that he was actually a pretty good dad. Normally, you set up yeah. the dad as, like, this overworked guy who, like, doesn't really care about his kids. And this, like, there's that touching little scene in this river of shit where <laughs> uh, where the, the little kid says goodnight to mom. And yeah. Jason Alexander hears him. He's like, you say, say, say goodnight to your mom? He's like, yeah. It's not dumb or anything. He's like, no, it's not dumb. It's like, yeah, it's a, it's a nice little moment. Nice little family. So I was trying to find some fun facts about this film, and I struggle. There's only two different fun facts for this on IMDb, and neither of them are fun. Instead, I just found a Vice piece about how all of the animals from your childhood are now dead. So Mm -hmm. uh, Dunstan checks in, was played by (laughs) Sam the Orangutan. Sam was born in December of 89. He was originally a tourist attraction in Miami before starring in commercials and even Baywatch. In 2004, he retired and was moved to a non-profit sanctuary. He died of heart failure, December 2010. Uh, And just just so everyone else knows, Taco from Legally Blonde, Stroke, Eddie from Frasier, Stroke, Babe. Oh, not Eddie from Frasier. I wanted Uh, to believe he was still... Air Bud, Cancer, and Amputated. Oh, God, Air Bud. Okay, I'm leaving this. I'm never coming back. Yeah, this is your own fault. (laughs) 
Wow. Just destroyed some never 90s Never go children's down the internet there. rabbit hole. <laughs> uh, yeah. Man, he's never going to play <sighs> basketball again. Okay. Um, this was bad. Uh, <laughs> I, I really, I really this don't know what you want to say. Yeah. Rupert Everett tried to do a good job. You know, I, this was, this was. Acting wise, this movie is okay. Uh, yes. Acting what script wise, it's complete poo. There's nothing good to work with. No, because this people were still high on cocaine when they were writing this Maybe. movie. And they needed more cocaine money. (laughs) Pooped this out, and uh, it was a box office bomb. Yeah, yeah. That you know, that is really pretty much the only reasonable explanation I can think of as to why anyone would write this. I want to talk about the tagline for the next thirty minutes, though. Oh, it's bad. Oh, what's? He's about to turn a five-star hotel into a three-ring circus. Uh, Boo! I want that, to. That, I don't know. That might be the most clever. It's pretty good. Line. <laughs> it's pretty good. I kind of want to shake the hand of the person who came up with that one. Yeah, yeah. So, well, it's clearly not anybody who wrote the film. I'm also uh-huh. somewhat conflicted about this director, uh, Ken Quappus. Um, Mostly did sitcoms for the rest. Which of Which I was about to say, like he he did sitcoms and he did a lot of sitcoms. He did Freaks and Geeks. He did ER. He did Malcolm in the Middle. He did the Bernie Mac show. He did The Office. Yeah. He did. He Happy. did some great TV shows. And that's what I'm saying. It's like he did Happyish. He did two episodes awful. of the San Clarita Diet last year, which was a great show. Uh, Parks yeah. and Rec. He did an episode. Like he he did some some mm-hmm. fine television. Before, yes. I mean, after this. I'm, but yeah, his movies are terrible. They're I'm looking terrible. at the the writers, and they also went on to do uh, nothing, uh, except for one of them wrote Anastasia the next year. They both did actually. They were a duo on that as well. Hmm. If you look at their IMDb's, they're identical. They basically only wrote together. That's interesting. Considering Anas, people generally like Anastasia. Which one is yeah. the pen name for Sam, though? Because there's two of them, and we have to. We, Sam has to have been involved. All right, in what are the two movie. names? It's uh, Bruce Graham and John Hopkins. Uh, I'm I'm going to say John Hopkins. Would yeah, be John the Hopkins is actually orangutan. an orangutan <laughs> named Sam. So um, <laughs> yes. Now that we have that taken care of, uh, is there anything else anyone wants to talk about with this movie? Uh, I, it's going to be a short think, episode, man. <laughs> I, and I think that's okay. I don't think we need to hammer on for an There's, hour. Uh, we're we're at the no. forty-three so, minute mark. Let's so, just give ourselves a hand. Like this is more than half the movie. Oh, I'm not. I'm not done. I got. I got stuff to go on here. Like what? <laughs> I'm just saying. Normally, even in movies that we've watched for other uh, other shows and stuff. Usually, like, that older brother would be a lot more creepy sexual than he is in this film. He's Which, using security cameras to now, creep on young yeah. French women. Who are older than him, to be perfect. Who are, like, in their 20s. Yeah. And he's Which, like, 13. Yes, yes <laughs> that is, like, a creepy moment. But normally, like, I feel like we would have this, a scene where Dunstan finds his porno stash... And you know, looks looks at like one of the centerfolds and makes some sort of funny monkey face because he's a monkey looking at naked human women. <laughs> or you would like find out like the older brother's trying to like cut peepholes. <laughs> this is getting real dark. <laughs> cut peepholes into the. I'm just saying. I feel like other movies they usually have one of the brothers trying to be super pervy, and I appreciate that he wasn't. Look, no, this, this is movie not... is secretly, secretly. Mm. Like a counter stereotype satire on the entire genre. I just discovered that Frank Welker did voices for this movie. Of course he did. And I'm going to guess that he did the all the monkey sounds for Dunstan. And they, uh, he probably did that hee hee giggle that he. Oh, I hated that noise that giggle. no orangutan makes or that is capable of making. Giggle made me so angry for some <laughs> yes. after all uh, this talk of juvenile sexual harassment i feel much more comfortable having looked this up and knowing it's not a weinstein okay, company I, film uh yeah. that oh. would not be good uh 
Oh, oh no. That was your own fault. Why is why is I I can only think house payment. Why is Faye Dunaway in this movie? <laughs> because I I I point you back to the original point of this why this movie was made. People were running low on cocaine money. Cocaine. And well, I think for Faye Dunaway it was probably plastic surgery money. But I mean, she had done I be- it's 96, right? Yeah. I believe around the same time she had done Don Juan DeMarco, in which she is lovely and it's a it's a great performance. Man, Dunaway has not stopped working. No. She's still alive? She Oh, yeah. Likes to work. Hey, it's because of Faye Dunaway that we got the wrong name at the Oscars last year. So. Oh gosh, yes, that's true. <laughs> she was the one she when they opened the envelope, it was her and Warren Beatty, right? Yeah, yeah. You, you can yeah. Warren Beatty looks at the card and you can tell he thinks it's wrong, and she's just like, "No, oh, it says La La Land. Let's go for that." <laughs> right. Yeah. Don't go to the guy in the wings who can confirm it for you. Well, right. Let's, let's let's just blurt it yeah. out. At, at which point, Kanye pops out and is like, <laughs> Hold on. "Beck's not a real musician." Oh, wait. oh man, <laughs> wrong war, Joe. Um, uh. All right. Uh, this movie's not streaming unless you have a star subscription. If you have a star nope. subscription, there are better things on stars. Um, I yeah. heard Outlander's I okay. I paid money so. to rent this movie, guys. I paid $2.99 of my hard-earned cash to watch this. There are other movies I've been way more upset about paying money <laughs> to watch for podcasts and just throw it out there if you're looking to get this movie through alternative means you can't (laughs) you can't (sighs) it's been tried there's only one seater so i mean maybe i think the only way i could i don't know that i would even recommend this for like drunk with friends no sitting around in a circle making fun of it kind of drunk with friends is the room not dunstan checks in Okay, yeah. see, I, I'm looking at stuff we've done. I mean, I'm more upset about the fact that I had to pay money for Judge Dredd than I had no, to pay money for this movie. Uh, <laughs> I will never be upset about paying money for Flash Gordon. Just remind everyone that's a mess. Oh, that's true. Inter- I would argue Inner Space is worse than this movie. No. The Inner last space. Starfighter. Uh, uh, no, I'd still put The Last Starfighter okay. ahead of this. Look, whatever, whatever. <laughs> I'm not. Look, I, I I know that I've kind of been. I thought it would be more fun to have somebody kind of defending this movie. I don't really recommend that anybody <laughs> watches it. <laughs> but when I was forced to, I was like, I'm gonna have a good time. I'm just, I'm gonna have fun with this. Well, that's that's a good attitude to go in with. Yeah. One thing no. I do want to mention, though, and I found this highly amusing, was uh, if you go on Dunstan checks in on uh, on Amazon. There's a, there's a very there's a very skewed uh, idea of whether or not this film is fantastic. Um, just just here are some some uh, some quotes from Amazon. First of all, apparently they're just shipping CDs that don't work. Movie did not work. Paid for CD that cannot be watched. No stars. Amazing flashback <laughs> to my childhood. Three year old is not hooked. Um, so their three year old doesn't like it. Um, some, there's some four really- and a half stars on Amazon. Yeah, and there's some really weird, weird like DCI because I guess we're abbreviating it now is certainly the greatest thing ever created by a human. I watch it at least twice a day and ever have since it first hit VHS. Perfect, just what I needed. Fits great, works perfect. More words are not needed. Why does Amazon do this? Wasting my time. So (laughs) horrible. Why sell movie to USA that cannot be used? Are they sending like region locked copies out? Do you think? Because nobody's Probably. monitoring this. Yeah, that's my guess. People are ordering like the the I don't know South Pacific. <laughs> they made they made one batch, and that's all. That's it. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but you know, maybe we found it because maybe we found the the demo. Because in a lot of these comments, people are saying like three year olds, four year olds get a kick out kick out of it. But to be fair, you put anything with a cute animal on screen and that's really all you kind of need at that point for that Look, demo. We know, I'm sure he's a he was a fine individual but I I did not find Dunstan cute. 
Customers, uh, yeah, really either. Customers also viewed these items, and I guarantee you, at least three of these movies we are going to be forced to watch at some point. <laughs> Baby's Day Out, Blank Check, and Richie Rich. <laughs> I bet you those are going to show up at some point. Hmm. Blank Check, bring it on! I have so many thoughts on Blank Check. <laughs> Oh, I like some one of the reviews. This movie has always been a hit with my kids and now my grandkids. Only one somewhat naughty part where it involves Dunstan spanking a lady. But it's over most of the kids' heads, IMO. So, uh, at least Grandma's aware that that scene is naughty. That was, oh, that scene was uncomfortable. Oh, I'm just going to... Oh, just Nicole, go back and, and give us your, your thoughts afterward. No. Go, go no, find the scene. Make... It's bad. You can't make... My rental has expired, and I am never paying another penny to watch any of this movie ever again. <laughs> okay, well, why don't we why don't we wrap that up? Uh, yes, next let's week please. is going to well, be. Well, we finished our first our first cycle, our first go round of exactly exactly. So we after five weeks, we rotate back to the beginning, which means next week is going to be another new to two, and David is going to be picking a film that neither myself nor Nicole have seen before. David, what are we going to be watching? We're going to be watching the Coen Brothers movie from, I believe, 2013, Burn After Reading, uh, starring, uh, it's, it's a great cast. You got John Malkovich, it's oh, 2008, my bad. I don't know why I thought it was so much later. Uh, you got John Malkovich in there, Tilda Swinton, George Clooney, uh, Brad Pitt. It's, it's going to be a fun, fun time. Very good. Literally anything is going to be... <laughs> far more palatable than this week's. So I'm really looking forward to it. Why don't we go around the table and see where everybody is online and what they are up to. Nicole, what are you doing? Where can you be found online? Well, uh, by the time this goes up, I will be curating the Movie Go Around Facebook page. Um, I am still curating the Geek Cinema Society, the Archive Facebook page. And you can find me on Twitter, uh, tweeting under at your word whiz, and that's Y-O-U-R-W-O-R-D-W-H-I-Z. Fantastic. And what about you, David? Oh, boy. You can find me a number of different places, of course, every week on the Heck Yeah Comics podcast, heckyeahcomics.com, or wherever podcasts are sold. Uh, you can find me on Brokebot Mountain and uh, another podcast. And uh, you can find me around the internet under the username DavLuz. That is D-A-V-L-U-Z. So Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, find me there. Very good. My name's Brett Stewart. You can find me on brettdavidstewart.com and you can find links there to all sorts of places. The best place to contact me is on Twitter. That's at RiversRubin. And by the time this episode comes out, I will have launched uh, one of my other projects I've been working on, which is a series of live streams that uh, that involve largely musical performances. Uh, as musician as well so you can find that just on the live tab at the top of brettdavidstewart.com and also if you like movies that's why you're here and you also like politics you might be interested in silver screens and politics which is another film podcast i do which i gotta be honest we might have seen worse movies for that so far we had to watch a movie called the bystander theory look it up it will it will question your faith in humanity it's bad (laughs) Um, so yeah, check that out. That'll do it for myself, for David and Nicole. We will see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>